welcome to the Connecting Construction podcast. My name is Matt Sprague, and I'm here with my co-host, Evan Hill. How's it going, Evan? It is going so well. And yourself, Matt? Oh, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Uh, reaching uh, at the last portions of the winter up here in New Hampshire. Uh, here we were just Easter this past weekend and uh, still just had a little bit of a snow flurry. So super excited about that. We are getting cold down here in Arizona as well. I think we hit a new low of 88 degrees the other day. So um, I've taken out my winter coats and I feel you. Yeah, yeah, it must be rough for you. Uh, so this is a um, this is kind of like a, a big moment for us with the Connecting Construction podcast that this is the culmination of what is uh, an elongated first season of the Connecting Construction podcast. And this is actually a best of. We've gotten to that level of stardom, Evan, that we have a best of album. What do you think the about that? The subscribers just wanted it. We got to give what the audience demands. <laughs> so this is great. We're very excited. We've got uh, a handful of, of, of different snippets from uh, various different episodes throughout the past uh, year and a half or so uh, that we're going to share with you today. But be sure to stay tuned at the end. We have a special announcement that we want to share with everybody. But to get us going, um, I'm going to kick us off that uh, there was an episode, I think it was actually episode two with James Hillegas. And I'm sorry if I'm saying his name incorrectly. Uh, but James was asked about um, the slow adoption of BIM and the resistance to change. And a lot of people, like the default reasoning behind that is generational and he actually combats that assumption and pr provides some really like fantastic insights uh, i think he actually quarter categorized it as as four nuggets of knowledge or maybe i categorized it as four nuggets of knowledge um and he gave some examples on how people can help each other grow well so i'm going to kick it off over to over to that episode so you guys can check that out Resistance to change, I think, is more of the personality than less of the generation of the person themselves. Um, you know, I, I worked with a foreman at the last place I worked in Cleveland, phenomenal foreman. I, I loved working with the guy. Like, I still text him to this day. Um, once or twice a week, we still text back and forth. Um, and he, he was very open to it. I think a lot of it has to do with how, how the, a lot of it has to do with the semantics of how the message comes across. I learned very early on the first job I did out of school that one, I don't know crap, two, uh, shut up and listen, and three, just watch, and four, show how much you care. Um, you know, I had a, I talked to the glazing foreman on a, it was a $170 million hospital tower, and I was like putting the superintendent role for the exterior of the building, not what I should have been doing. I didn't know, I should not have been, there's no way that was a terrible idea, but it is what it is, and it happened. So I learned a lot through the hard way of talking with those guys and, and being there on the weekends and just showing that I, even though they knew I didn't know anything, well, I knew stuff, but I didn't know enough stuff. Let's put it that way. Um, just showing that you cared, they really would like kind of guide you through it and say like, you know, this is why we do this, or this is why we do this. So I mean, really showing, if you come in and say like, we're gonna change, okay? But, and you haven't shown that you cared about the people themselves, well, they're gonna probably put up a wall because like, you know, who is this guy or this gal coming here and saying, you know, we're going to do X, Y, Z. You know, they don't even, they don't care. They've never, I've never seen you before. I've never talked to you before. I don't even know you. 
But if you build just a relationship with them, at the end of the day, we're all we're all people. I mean, that's really all it comes down to. So if you can build rapport, I think it goes over a lot easier. You know, we we would eat wings in the shop, we would make competitions in the shop, we had bets in the shop, you know, just simple stuff like that. And just then the dialogue's a lot, it's a lot cleaner. If you come, it can be very challenging to just come out of the blue. Cause I tried to, I mean, I trust me, I learned the hard way. That's the only reason I know this is. And then people are like, well, who, you don't, I don't know you. I don't trust you. The biggest thing is trust. I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, you know, I, I going the extra mile for the guys in the field and just showing that you care. You know, there were times where we messed up stuff in the shop and I drove out the one ton with a load of whatever, cause we, you know, stuff got messed up. It happens. And then once they realize that you have their back and you care, I think a lot of the other stuff becomes the semantics. And then we teach each other stuff, you know, they would challenge me to like drill in like a three inch screw. All right, and we're back. Hope you guys enjoyed that little snippet from James. I absolutely love those four little 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 snippets of uh, of insights that he had uh, to share with us. We're gonna move right along uh, into another one of my favorites. So this is actually a a fellow uh, Trimble colleague, Aviad Almogor. This was episode four. Uh, Aviad in 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 this episode in this in particular this clip. He explains the relationship that we have with Boston Dynamics and the partnership activities that help develop um, Spot the Dog. So if you guys haven't seen Spot the Dog, go to YouTube, type in Spot the Dog, Boston Dynamics, and you'll be able to be, you have a great treat ahead of you. Uh, but this little snippet highlights the process we have at Trimble to develop solutions from the voice of the customer, uh, not the idea of a developer. Or, or the inventor in this case. Uh, customers are looking for integrated solutions in an automated workflow. And that's a quote right from, from Aviad. So we'll check it out now. Uh, Boston Dynamics, that, that whole group. Um, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about our partnership with them, how that came to be, and the type of work you're doing with them. And I know obviously some stuff might be confidential information here, but can you can you talk about that partnership in terms of what you may be able to speak about? Sure, certainly. Yeah, so so uh, in a similar way, we kind of uh, approach mixed reality um, also for robotics. Uh, we were looking for um, a partner to work with. And the, the overarching vision here is not necessarily the robot itself. It's, uh, um, it is about automated workflows. What we believe is, uh, is that in order to, or the next uh, wave of uh, transformation for the construction industry will come from automated workflows. And we're in a very good point in time uh, where there is a good synergy between different technologies like robotics, computer vision, AI, um, uh, and um, uh, edge computing, which really enable this kind of automated workflows. So when we were starting to look at the market, we were trying to figure out what is required uh, for an automated workflow in a construction site. And you know, Trimble is, is dealing with um, autonomous vehicles for many years, uh, steering control, uh, GNSS technology. We can drive you know, heavy machinery in the mining and in agriculture without a driver, actually. The, we just have a driver because of the regulations. But it is a different uh, environment to deal with when you're, when you're talking about construction sites, specifically vertical construction. How do you cope with a changing environment? How do you cope with a uh, challenging terrain? Um, so quite quickly, we reached to the point where we understood what we need is this 
kind of new breeds of robot, the uh, bio-inspired type of robots. And um, Boston Dynamics were the natural fit here because they are, at least today, they are the most advanced uh, four-legged bio-inspired robots around, uh, like a commercial version of it. Um, so we started to explore together with the Boston Dynamics team, what are the possibilities? What is required? Okay, this robot can cope with the um, uh, terrain type or, of, of a construction site and claim stairs and stuff like this. But what's next? What it will be required for our customers to use a technology like this? And, and what we realized, speaking with customers and exploring the potential, is that it is not enough to have a, a robotic platform. And it is not enough to have a robotic platform and on top of it, some kind of payload. What the customers would like to get is an integrated solution in an automated workflow. And this is where the synergy between Boston Dynamics and Trimble uh, can, can bring the value. So to clarify what it means, our customers would like to use th this integrated solution as one product. They would like to see it and control it with one tool. Um, I don't want to use one tablet for the robot and one tablet for the payload and one software here and one software there. Our next one is Steve Jones of Dodge Data and Analytics. Steve is one of the pioneers of uh, emerging data in the construction and construction management field. In this episode, which was episode six, which feels way back when, Steve talked about the pains of information gaps in digitized workflows across hardware, software, and hundreds of stakeholders on a single construction project. And he also dives in to how this power of this data can unlock future potential. Let's dive right in. And they don't have to be uh, mandates, but they do need to be based on some standards and some guidelines and uh, BIM execution plans so that people know what they're supposed to do with models, right? Um, I think that will be ultimately what drives uh, yeah, the 95% um, uh, involvement. And what, we, what we've seen since the beginning of tracking is that once a firm starts to work with it, they don't want to work the old way. You don't have people who want to back out. People go, oh my gosh, what more can I do? How can I start doing this? And you know, uh, uh, the human resource constraints are the biggest thing. I got to find more people who I can have on my team and know how to do this. Um, and so I think we're probably three quarters to, to 80% of the way through that kind of initial cusp of getting players so that they're comfortable doing this stuff and they're doing it on enough of their projects that it's becoming standard operating procedure. So one thing you mentioned sort of at the beginning of uh, your answer to my question was how this industry has changed past. 20 years and what it'll look like in the next 10 to 20 years. You mentioned sort of this connected vision, um, especially from a data perspective. We obviously have our own feelings about what that looks like and how that is going to drive efficiency and productivity for the, for the owner and the contractor. Let, I want to I unpack that just a little bit deeper. What, what do you mean by that sort of connected construction vision in the next 20 years? Uh, let's unpack that. What does that mean? Yeah, um, when there is um, a truly connected, fully connected data environment in which everybody's working, and I want to include design professionals in this too, you know, that, that being my background, but it's also, I think, an extremely important part of the puzzle here. Um, 
to be able to rely on data sets, all right, and not some kind of just a written program from an owner, but beginning to be able to harvest things that were done successfully from other buildings because you now have benchmark data available to you to be able to take advantage of computational and generative design and artificial intelligence. Our next one is Darren Bechtel, all the way back to episode nine. If you've ever worked in the construction industry or even are familiar with it, you have probably heard the last name Bechtel. One of the largest engineering and construction management companies in the world, Darren was one of the early guests of our show. He joined to discuss what digital twins means to him from the unique perspective of a venture capitalist. Let's jump right in. Here, you know, number one, from yeah. from from a VC standpoint, what does digital twin mean to you? Yeah. Um, and then number two is is how um, well you know well, where do you think this fits into into any of the, any of the uh, startups that you're working with, or, or yeah. you know, is it is it is it becoming prolific as yeah. well as just a hot topic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, that's. <laughs> um, I think it, when typically when you use um, people are thinking about the concept of reality capture and building a digital model of the physical world. Um, another way of looking at though is it's just digitization, and you're seeing hopefully real time or near real time data that is allowing you to see the world in a digital way with rich information layered onto it, um, which, you know, is, is got amazing implications from being able to analyze progress, um, productivity, being able to assess the impact and improvements of certain technologies or tasks. Um, you know, you look to the world of manufacturing, there's a lot of you know, lessons learned there that we should be able to apply. Uh, a, a real challenge that a lot of people were experiencing while experimenting with new technology is there wasn't a great way to see how, how, how did this impact things? Was this good or bad? <laughs> um, you know, can, can we really assess the positive impacts or the negative impacts um, if we don't really have a good sense of the baseline? Um, and so in, in this sort of digital transformation journey, step one is just, digitizing and it's getting data. But as you pointed out, you know, you, you quickly start swimming in data and most people don't want the data. Um, uh, using life sciences as an analogy, uh, you know, the advent of being able to do um, lab work and get, you know, blood work regularly done up and get some of your vitals is great, but most people don't want to know what their numbers are. You know, they, they, most people know how to read it. They are looking to a physician instead to translate it and say, how am I doing? Well, um, and, I have to stop eating bacon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Butter my bacon and bacon my sauce. And we're back again. I hope you guys are enjoying all these clips. I've uh, got a handful more to share with you. Uh, this next one comes from episode 14. A good friend of, of mine, a good friend of the show is Chris Hussey, uh, former Trimbler, now at Gafcon Digital. Um, Chris and I, we go off on how digital twins are becoming part of, of the metaverse and what the future of asset management operations and construction will look like. This episode was a, a, a particularly uh, nerd out, geek out opportunity for both of us. Uh, but this particular snippet here, uh, I think will be very enjoyable for everybody to see. So if, if we haven't geeked out yet, okay, I'm about to bring us down 
like a major geek corridor. Um, cool. So we keep saying metadata, and I'm now uh -huh. my mind is going meta, meta, meta universe, metaverse. Uh -huh. uh, so so <clears throat> how does all this, in your mind, or even in GAFCON strategy, how does this fit into to the metaverse? Oh, dude. Okay, so in our in our in our realm, our you've got to have a visualization environment. Okay, so I was talking about building the Revit models. Well, you can't interact with the model. You can't really interact with a Revit model. It doesn't work that well. So we actually drop our our models into um, a gaming engine. We actually happen to use Unity. And now the model is if it's a video game. So I can walk through the front door, I can touch the elevator and ask, you know, elevator, you know, oh, this is a Schneider and Sons. It was installed on this date. Here's the, here's all the um, historical um, maintenance data on it or whatever you want. But it's not, it goes deeper than that. I mean, so you've got a facility in a, or a building in a gaming environment. Well, that gaming environment can be vast. It could be an entire campus, you know, um, I don't know. Okay, let's pick a university. Let's say it's USC. I'm just making something up. I can't think fast enough, but okay. We've got every single building at USC. We have a digital twin of it. That's actually a metaverse, the USC metaverse. Um, and for a client, you might have buildings scattered across the US or the globe. Well, you could have the buildings geolocated across the globe in your in your own private metaverse. So that's that's in my mind that's the law that's the end game here is creating an in, a metaverse for the individual client and that in, that includes all of their facilities. And that's trust me, that's a long-term play. Well, you can think just for like a uh, a municipality that you know yeah. if you have a, a city and let's just go as simple as like their their water lines exactly and mm -hmm. and, and 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 again kind of, all right let's let's go so we talked about a leak in room 17 or room 917 yeah. Yeah, 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 whatever yeah so now we say hey there's a um there there's a um a, a water main or 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 even better yet um is that the the pressure uh, at this line is starting to increase. Therefore, we need to release pressure, uh, and we can do that. Whatever you know, wearing an Oculus or something. Uh, yeah, you something. could. Yeah, um, and, and that, or I'll yeah. the, the triple pop plug or in the XR10 and be able, be able yeah. to, to put that in and be able to to click on it and and either either hit or hit the release valve. And I know that there are technologies that kind of already do this, but it doesn't necessarily yet feed a model that is being detected um, and and can be managed that way and then i think it all feeds into ai and then we don't need a need people to manage this type of stuff for us be like oh that needs to go that 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 pressure is going high release that pressure or there is a leak here shut off that valve it'll do you know, it on, on i actually report. i actually had a um a gentleman from 
Yeah, Our name. next guest that we are remembering is Duncan Williams from episode 16. He is also another fellow Trimble colleague. He is an environmental uh, manager for Trimble, and he lives across the pond in the United Kingdom. We had the the privilege of having him on to discuss all things environmental uh, preservation, but specifically, we dove deep into how renovating existing buildings, infrastructure, and materials will help drive radical environmental change. If you care about climate change or any of the impact that the construction industry has on the environment, this episode is for you. You've got to check out this clip. So one of the areas I have to ask you about is, you know, the retrofitting and renovation of existing buildings. This is sort of um, one of the curious that people want us to dive into. How does that concept of renovating existing buildings you know, impact sustainability goals long-term? Um, well, to put things in context, 80% of the buildings that will exist in 2050 exist today. So it's clear there's gonna be a demand for retrofitting, refurbishing existing materials. Um, sure 20% of the buildings in 2050 being new built is a huge amount and it's not to be underestimated but I think it's important to have the mindset that retrofitting and refurbishing is important and it, and it should definitely be a focus and quite a large focus going forwards um, and it's also important for countries to consider this so countries are committing to carbon targets that are increasingly becoming enshrined in law uh, so this is one of the main functions of the Conference of Party events, uh, the most recent one being COP26, which has made uh, quite a lot of headlines for good and bad reasons, where countries haggle over nationally determined contributions, which basically means how much carbon they need to reduce from their annual, ampa, uh, annual output and how much they are willing or able to commit to. So government policy then has to attribute a national target to the sectors within the country that contribute the most carbon emissions. Um, buildings will always play uh, be a key contributing sector. Um, so some good resources to look at um, for the measures that will be needed are the Exponential Roadmap 2030, and of course the Circularity Gap Report I previously mentioned. So a few key points from uh, the Exponential Roadmap um, is that we will need low carbon heating and cooling, <clears throat> double retrofitting, low carbon construction and reduced energy use during operation and retrofitting plays a key role in all these points our final memory we want to bring up is natalie abshire who is also another tremble, tremble colleague but has deep deep subject matter expertise and experience in the construction industry not just construction but also the contact space she was from episode 19 and let me tell you, this pod, that podcast episode actually almost turned into a comedy show as we as we dove into some of the greatest mistakes she made as a contact founder all the way back to 2000, 2001, around the dot-com bubble. Um, if you are either you know an early series founder or thinking about starting a startup or you just have a product that you know could solve a potential pain in the industry, you're gonna want to listen to this episode. She talks all about bootstrapping and the dilemma of choosing to bootstrap or or seek venture capitalist funding when seeking a new startup. Check out this episode. But it was literally when you read the stories about people who bootstrap it and, mm -hmm. you know, I, and, and trying to get funding is the most miserable experience. I mean, it's not that I didn't try. 
right? Mm -hmm. I tried to get angel funding or VC funding or any of that, but they always, you know, back then they wanted the, you know, the shiny object or the sexy, whatever it was. And construction back then wasn't, right? There was nothing exciting about construction technology in the early 2000s. There this is so interesting to hear your hear your story and your perspective because I'm, I'm actually sort of a lot, well, I'm not gonna speak for you when I say this, but there's this whole broader conversation in, in SaaS and, and, and of course technology as a whole around if you have an idea, you can solve a problem, you can solve a pain and you can monetize it, do you take VC funding or do you bootstrap it? And I know the sexy thing has always been to VC fund it, but I have more and more friends that are founders that are bootstrapping their businesses. And yes, sometimes you know growth can be slower and more organic, but these people just seem so much more happy and fulfilled and passionate about you know the problems they're solving without the pressure or the fear of, of, of investors, you know, breathing right. down their neck. It's, it's really an interesting sort of, there might be a potential shift, I think, happening in, in software um, over the next several years. I know, like I said, it's kind of a controversial opinion, controversial topic, but it's interesting to hear your perspective of how you bootstrapped your business. Yeah, and it was, uh, I, I learned some really good, lessons and some hard lessons um, along the way. Um, I did have uh, an investor who, after I got the product launched, it was a customer. And um, this is kind of a funny story too, but uh, he would call me up all the time and he would say, Natalie, make it do this and make it do that. And, you know, you know, customers, that's what they do. And that's what you want them to do. Right. Sure. But I was, it was just me and Keith. And Keith was only part time. So those are just a few of our favorite moments from season one. Uh, we had many different bright, intelligent, and funny guests on. But just as a reminder, as we exit and conclude this first season of the Connecting Construction Podcast, make sure to stay subscribed. We are available on any platform, any and all platforms that you access your podcast. That includes Spotify. That includes Apple Music and Apple Podcasts, as well as SoundCloud. And at the beginning of this show, we actually promised an exciting new announcement. And Matt, I'm going to throw it off to you for that. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Evan. Um, yes, we've done uh, the, the, the success of the Connecting Instruction podcast has been so well received, uh, not only by you, the listeners, but also from uh, uh, Trimble Construction as a whole, um, that um, we've actually been asked so good news, bad news. We've been asked to retire the Connecting Instruction podcast, but to roll it and convert it into the Connected Construction show. So it'll be not only an audio podcast, but it'll be a video show as well. There'll be many more announcements coming up about this in news that is going to lead up to some absolutely fantastic content coming from all different areas of Trimble Construction. Uh, we're very, very excited to get more guests on, more customers involved in the conversations that they are interested in talking about. So very, very excited about that. So be sure to, to again, subscribe to the Connecting Construction podcast so that you're aware of all the changes that'll be happening, uh, but also be on the lookout for the Connected Construction show with, again, myself, Matt Sprague and 
one of my co-hosts, Evan Hill. Thank you all so much. I hope you've enjoyed season one and we look forward to even more fantastic conversations moving forward.